This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hi everybody, this is the Cricket Badger podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word bêche, meaning digger. Welcome along. It's another edition of the Cricket Badger podcast, the England against India test match dailies. And we've just seen at the end of day three, curtailed by a little bit of bad light. And as you can see, I am joined by my three fan badgers. Got Mark Hilton, sorry, two today. Mark Hilton and Rito Mitra are with me. So we've got the, well, two English fans on today. And uh, it wasn't probably the best of days for England today. India were looking like they were going to seize complete control of this test match. Then a, a double wicket salvo from Ollie Robinson with a new ball just hauled England back into it a little bit but we close um, at the end of day three with India building a very sizable advantage in the test match mark and um, it's going to be tough work for England tomorrow I think isn't it because that pitch doesn't look too bad for batting on. No it's a typical oval pitch and um, they get flatter as the game goes on so day three and four is usually the best days for batting. Uh, tomorrow it's predicted, I mean, it's been sunny here in Bristol all day. It always is in Bristol, sunny, but it's uh, predicted to be sunny tomorrow in London and on Friday. Coley tonight looked in good form to me, looked yep. good to me. Um, so England would have been disappointed that the light came tonight. They would have probably liked, obviously, another hour with that new ball. That's a, and if they don't get a couple of early wickets in the morning, they think they're staring down the barrel. India already 170 in front. If they, go up to, if they get a lead of 300, then I think that will be enough. So it could be a long day in the dirt tomorrow for England up to tea if they don't get an early wicket or two in the morning. I was looking at it today and thinking, well, India could if with a fair wind and if at the time if Rowett and uh, Pajara had stayed in, obviously with the Coley and the Pant and Jadeja, et cetera, to come. Could have been something like 4.50 ahead at tea tomorrow. Um, and then you're looking at uh, giving England four very problematic sessions to try and battle through to probably save the draw, which is not going to be easy. No, I think um, I think the draw, I don't think it'd be a draw this game. I think India are obviously in the box seat. 
at the moment. Um, if they get to that 300 lead, that'll be enough. Certainly, if they battle tea time tomorrow, as you say, it could be nearer 400 than 300. A couple of sessions with Pan and if Kohler gets going. I can't see it being a draw. Uh, the only thing that might save England if they have to chase that many runs is that, you know, we go back to it, that at some point in this series, not, not having Ashwin in the side could come back to haunt you a little bit. You know, it's a very it's a very flat wicket now. It's a good wicket. The sun's going to be out. If ever you wanted a if you wanted a top-class spin bowler, it would be in the last innings of this test match because it could win them the series. Um, weather forecast for Manchester next week is a little bit iffy. I can't see a draw, but um, yeah, I think uh, they may they may they may take a lot longer to get England out without Ashwin. And if it does end in a draw, then obviously the the lack of Ashwin will be questioned again. India, if they get a lead of three hundred, will win the game. Rohit Sharma, one of my favourite players in world cricket. His bat looks ridiculously wide when he's playing well. It's a big, heavy tree trunk as well that he, he wafts around. I'm a big fan of the IPL. Rohit Sharma captains the team that I support in the IPL as Rito knows and anybody that's tuned into the IPL podcast knows I'm a fan of the Mumbai Indians and Rohit Sharma I think is a terrific player one of the best in the world when it comes to across all formats and he's starting to get to grips with test cricket abroad now isn't he because he's always been pretty dominant on Indian soil, averages nearly 80 in home test matches, but his average was below 30 ahead of uh, this test match innings. He's had a good series so far, but the only thing missing was the the, the century, Rito, uh, and he played beautifully today, I felt. Yeah, Rohit Sharma is a flatty batsman. We have always wondered how he has such a fine ODI record and not such a great test record. Now he is starting to put that to bed now. Yes, he was fortuitous in this innings. He was dropped twice on both occasions for Rory Burns, but that's no fault of his. And he made took full, opportun- full opportunity of those chances that he was offered by the England defenders. But he plays well, there's no other batsman who finds the ball as well as Roy Chamal. Just the kind of shots he plays all around the dial, and he makes batting look very easy. The, he did do until the new ball was taken. And he was 127, he was flying, he was threatened to, threatening to really take the, the match away from England Rito. And then he got a fairly innocuous, long hoppish, really. He wasn't the particularly short ball and he tried to put it away his biggest weakness in this series has been finding the uh, the hands of the fielder down at fine leg and he did it again today and it just threatened um, for a while I mean I, I was pointing for him because he played so well he deserved to go off with just positivity in mind and he, he went off with disappointment in mind really because he, he held that to, to fine leg Chris Wokes taking a fairly simple catch down there but that just threatened to open the door a little bit for England didn't it yeah it did it was a rank long up for Ollie Robinson and it was more like very gentle things and he just tried to nudge it around the corner and it went all the way down to press folks at fine again. Then uh, Ollie Robinson got him with Jadish Pujara in the October again and it opened the doors uh, for England and England thought they had an opportunity. But the partnership between Brad Kohli and Ravindra Jadeja has done well to study the ship in the air ahead by 170 odd with three wickets in hand. It's going to be a very, very vital session tomorrow morning once again. If England can take four or five wickets, it's going to be game on again. Yes, a big if though, I reckon. That'll lead 171 runs at close on day three. And obviously the Rohit Sharma wicket mark was followed very shortly afterwards by the wicket of Cheteshwar Pajara. And I, I kind of felt for Virat Kohli a little bit because he'd been sat there all day. He'd been watching Rohit and Pajara, finding it relatively comfortable. And then all of a sudden, the whole dynamic of the game had changed. England had got the new ball in hand. He was going in with the ball zipping around all over the place. And you're thinking, if you're Virat Kohli, you're thinking, what have I done wrong today? 
day, who, which gods have I offended? Because he suddenly got the uh, the wrong end of the deal, but he did really well, didn't he, to battle his way through that? Yeah, just, I mean, beauty of test cricket, isn't it? We had two sessions where India batted serenely and the England didn't look much for it. New ball, one over, two wickets, game on again. Uh, cloudy conditions, um, comes out to bat Kohler. You know, he's, done, he's one of the, he's probably the best well, one of the best players in the world, obviously. So, so I don't feel too sorry for him coming out about in that situation. But um, yeah, I thought he actually, I think he looked good tonight. He just he looked in control tonight. He looked at, actually, I think he looked the best tonight. I think I've seen him in the series in terms of his fluency. I thought he looked good in the first innings as well. The signs yeah. are good for Vera, aren't they? The signs are good. He seemed to be just getting a bit of touch back. I mean, he has had a disastrous series. He's got 250. So everyone's talking about him as though he has scored any runs. And he's, you know, I know he ain't got a ton for a while. But, but this yeah. this is the problem, though, with, Mark, with great players or great modern day players. Like Joe Root has a poor series. He averages 34. Rory Burns in his test career averages 32 or something like that. Yeah, the, the low bar for these guys is actually probably just as good as the high bar for some of the more sort of mere mortals. Yeah, and I think social media and the Indian fans in particular get, get you know, they're up and down like yo-yos in terms of the performance and uh, they can, there's a little bit of overreaction to Coley at times. And for me, he looked very calm and composed tonight. And if he gets himself in tomorrow, if he bats an hour um, and he gets himself in, then it's going to be trouble for England because he's, you know, as you say, he looks good and he's due a ton and he could punish them tomorrow and what could be a very hot day on a flat wicket. So, um, and England's bowling, he looked very, um, I mean, we've said it before, he looked very samey. Once the wicket went flat, they didn't have points of difference. And in the afternoon session, I think they struggled a bit. Uh, they're, they're missing Joffre, they're missing Mark Wood, they're missing somebody that can just crank it up for a few overs and bowl at 93-94 and bowl a short delivery and just hurry the batsman because everything was kind of right on fast medium, wasn't it? Yeah, and Robinson, for example. I mean, he's got um, Sharma out with bouncers in, in two test matches, I think. I don't think I saw him bowl a bouncer today. It just, um, he was already saying you needed you needed someone there to run in, rough him up a bit, hit him on the head maybe, a few throat balls, get him a bit roughed up. But obviously, you know, we've got a very predictable attack in that respect. When the wicket goes flat, uh, when the sun comes out, I know the sun wasn't out today, but generally that's when England have struggled in test matches. And, you know, it happened again this afternoon, which does worry you when they go to Australia. And Moeen didn't have much control today either. Um, and that route would have wanted him to bowl more than 12 overs, I'm sure. Cricket's a game played with balls. You've got to look after them in the field. Badges are furry creatures. My friends at manscaped.com help you make sure it's neat and tidy down there. Oh, get rid of all that excess fur. Make sure that you're neat and tidy. Make sure everything's in the right order. Oh, feeling all good now, Danimus set. Oh, manscaped.com. Maximum skin-safe performance. Compact design. Advanced engineering. Ceramic blade. Waterproof. And it doesn't end there. Show you care by caring for your pair. Cleansers. Revivers. Preservers. Simply go to manscaped.com. Quote the discount code BADGER. You get 20% off, you get free shipping, and you get some seriously quality equipment. Manscaped.com. Get on there now. 
I'm just going through some of the comments. Thank you very much for those. Um, Ashitosh, who's been a regular over the last few days, he says, this is a pitch where only batsmen can get out by his own mistakes. And Famous day of Indian batting, but once again, sending Jadeja in to face the new ball. It worked, but I hope, hope Rahani can capitalise it on it tomorrow. I mean, that's a good point. I mean, if you're Rahani, you're the vice captain in this team, Rito, you're a frontline batsman and you see Jadeja who is a good batsman, but he's an all-rounder in the side, batting in your place, basically, at number five. It's kind of a little bit of a kick in the teeth, isn't it? It must must affect his pride a little bit. He's supposed to be in the top five. It might be, but Ron is such a nice guy. He, he, what's good for the team, he will take it. Whether it's him moving down one place in the, in the batting order, if that's good for the team, for the batting side of things, then he will accept it because he knows himself. He hasn't been in the runs and he has been getting out to the uh, to same kind of a, a delivery. So if India are looking to just change things up a bit. Now, in, in the first innings, it looked like that it was a makeshift uh, change with Jadeja coming up as Rahani was just putting in his inner gloves, it looked mm. very bad on camera that he had to take those off once again. But this time, it looked like they are going to stick with the same plan to make it look better this time. Vasant's been in touch. He says, um, Rohit really deserved his 100. Hard work in Nottingham, perseverance and discipline in Lords. Um, the first innings helped him to this uh, 100 at the Oval, he says. And to be honest, um, Rito, that's what Rohit's done, isn't it? He's really batted within himself. Anybody that's watched him in white ball cricket knows how destructive he can be. He can take any attack apart on his day. But he's really batted within himself. He's known where his off stump is. He's bolt- He's faced some pretty testing conditions against some good English bowlers. And he's come through pretty much every single time. And this is the cherry on top, isn't it? This century at the Oval is the cherry on top of this series. It turns what's been a good series into a very good series. Yeah, uh, he didn't have any 100 outside India. So this is his first test 100 abroad. Maybe he didn't get it at the other London ground, but he got it at least at the Oval. So London is a good place for him. And he doesn't go absolutely berserk. It is his slowest test 100 of all. He took his time. The... He hit those deliveries that those were there to be taken. And and then he got to his 100 in classical Rohit Sharma fashion with a sixth over long of, of Moin Ali. And Moin Ali had a disappointing day. Ashutosh says if India has to set a target, they will uh, go for 350 plus. Um, I mean, the highest chase at the Oval, and they've played a lot of cricket, a lot of test cricket at the Oval. It's one of the oldest grounds in world cricket. There's been a lot of test matches played at the Oval. It's 263 mark. I mean, I know records are there to be broken, and we have you said on the WhatsApp group earlier, we've seen a few of them broken in recent times. But Virat has a history of being, I mean, Joe Root's the same, has a history of being maybe a little bit cautious when it comes to declaring. You don't want to set a total that can be chased down. So I think he's going to be looking at 350-400. Oh, yeah, they're not going to. I mean, one of the reasons why the you know the chasing totals are relatively low is that you know captains don't tend to give the opposition a chance. They tend to make sure that they get 400-450 to close the game out a lot of the time. Um, and it gives them the option of making sure they can attack all the time with attacking fields and so forth. So he's not going to declare and give them shot at 350 he's not going to do that he's going to I mean Sh- Sh- Cheryl on the um, on the messages is saying should India declare when they get to 300 I mean the yeah. answer to that Cheryl is no why there's two days left why on earth would you use all five days if you can you, you mm. make sure you win they're, going to, they're not going to declare until the 450 ahead on the oval pitch. So where are they now? 270? So they're going to give, well, we've got 90 overs theoretically tomorrow. They need another 200 and odd, 250 odd runs. That could take them the best part of, um, depending on how
while they go. 70 odd overs. They're not, they're not 420, maybe 420, but they're not going to declare under uh, setting England 400. They're just not going to do it. You know, they just won't happen. Let, let's talk a bit about England's bowling attack today. I, my personal opinion, I thought Chris Wokes has been impressive with bat and ball throughout this test match. I think he was quite unlucky actually with the ball today. He beat the bat a lot and um, on another day could have found the outside edge two or three times and it could have been a slightly different day for him. Um, but I thought the other bowlers, Ollie Robinson, obviously Ben fitted with a new ball but apart from that didn't seem to cause too many problems Jimmy Anderson looks tired to me I think there was definite case for him to have been rested in this test match and maybe played Mark Wood as that point of difference at the Oval and I thought with um, Overton and Moen Ali, they were probably the two worst bowlers today for England. I thought Overton was wide and short a lot, particularly Pajara. When you saw Pajara get to 50 and they showed the showreel of his boundaries, they were pretty much all through the offside off Overton, short outside of the off stump. And um, I thought Moen, it's, it's asking a lot for Moen Ali. He's not played a red ball game since um, Chennai. Um, he's bowled a few overs in white ball cricket it's not the same thing as trying to put a long spell together so it's asking a lot for him to find his rhythm and find his um you know get his mojo right and his length right but I thought his length was either too short or too full far too often today and you saw when Pajara and Rohit got in they were milking him for runs at ease really and he didn't provide any control with Joe Root and I thought when Root came on he actually looked a better spinner than, than Moen Ali, who's supposed to be the front-line option. Would you agree with that, Mark, and that sort of assessment today? Yeah, I think firstly starting with Moen, I think we shouldn't be too critical of him because he hasn't played a lot of red ball cricket. But I think historically the problem with Moen is he hasn't offered huge control to the captain in the field, even when he was doing well, which is why partly he never liked to be seen as a number one spinner because it took, put too much pressure on him. You know, he's not that type of bowler who's going to come on and bowl 15 overs for 20 runs because he likes to attack and is an attacking bowler. And people forget about Moen. I mean, we keep going over the same arguments to a large degree, but he's, he's, he's learned to bowl in his first-class career. And that sounds an odd thing to say, but he actually started off as a batsman. You know, he bowled a little bit. So he's learned on the job, and he learned alert on the job in test cricket because he hadn't actually bowled a huge amount for Worcestershire. I mean, it's, it's massive credit to him as well that he's actually turned himself into the cricketer that he has done because, as you say, he was a batsman who turned his arm over a little bit and he's turned himself into a very good off spinner. Yeah, and I think we, you know, I think we should just recognise that in the expectations of him. I mean, he's got a lot of wickets for England, but he has been relatively expensive um, and his kind of runs per over are relatively high. And he is what he is. If you want, you know, if you need him to bowl twenty-five overs for forty runs and do a containing job, he can't do that. He's not. He's not. He's not that type of bowler. So I'm not going to be too critical of him. Um, I think England have picked him because of obviously the lack of balance in the side. They worry about the batting. No Stokes. Blah 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 blah. We go over the same arguments, and they they need they want runs down the order, so that they brought him back in. And he's done okay since he got back in, but he didn't offer a route any control today. So he had to bowl his seamers on a flat pitch, probably more than he wanted. To yeah, Overton looked poor today. Look what he was, which is a very good county bowler on very when he encounters very good wickets against very good players. He's likely to be found out a little bit. And that, that's the, that's the measure, isn't it, of a, of a pace bowler really, and of a spinner um, in, to a degree. That when the conditions are in your favour, you expect them to bowl well and look really good. But when the conditions aren't in your favour, it's what have you got up your sleeve to still stay in the game, isn't it? Well, I think that's that's you've hit the nail on the head. I mean. That's the problem with some of English seamers like Overton, like Curran. Yeah, they need the conditions to be able to perform. You know, the idea that 
you know, England go to Australia and Craig Overton is one of the main bowlers with the Kookaburra ball, etc., etc. It's it's a day. It's it to me that's a difficult thing to imagine an England winning in that scenario. So you get what you get with these players. I mean, he's obviously a very good professional. He's a good bowler when the conditions are right. But when it, when the pitch is flat, when the sun's out, we have the same issues time and time again. They don't, you know, they haven't got the the skill sets to a large degree because they're kind of brought up on county wickets where. Over the last 10 years, they haven't really had to develop a huge amount of skills to get wickets because the, the pitch has been quite live than the time it's played at the year. My name is Jacob and I sent the Badger a message and now I'm on the podcast with this jingle. If you would like to get in touch with the Cricket Badger podcast, then tweet at cricket underscore badger. I'm going to run through some of the messages, Rito. Have a listen to these. And if you want to come back on any of these points, please do. Um, Vasant's saying that he thinks the Pajara wicket was the one that opened the door for uh, England today. Um, Shale's saying, yes, the pitch is flat, but apart from Joe Root, there's nobody who can play a long inning. So even if conditions are in England's favour, is there anybody that can actually keep Joe Root company and chase down? That's kind of like 350, 400 score even. Rennie Stitchy has said, um, how much do you think um, England would be comfortable in chasing? That's a question we can come on to in a second. Um, Shale says, what role is Moeen Ali doing in this side? He gets 20s and 30s and uh, does not have any control over his bowling. I think he's slightly better than that. Uh, Shell and as I say he's been out of the uh, the Red Bull arena for some time so it's difficult I, in the same way that people have been critical of Johnny Bairstow's keeping I'd prefer to see somebody have two or three matches in a row and then assess where they are rather than actually just kind of go off one innings of a test match after they've not actually performed that role for a while Akatush is basically saying more you bat more bad the pitch will get he's saying so yeah the longer India bat then when England start the pitch will have presumably have deteriorated a little bit by then uh, and Shell's also saying Jack Leach would have been um, given control to uh, Joe Root. He's a far better bowler, in um, Shell's opinion. Um, Anand, our badger, um, our compatriot on these podcasts, is saying it's a flat pitch. Are people being too critical of Moeen? Rito, pick the bones out of them. Yeah, before criticising Moeen Ali too much, let's remember he was picked in this England team on the basis of 100 form. We can't expect a lot from Moeen Ali. The thing that baffles me, all of a sudden, he... Why has he been promoted to vice-captain in this side? When he has been promoted to vice-captain, then he must take some responsibility because he is the second, all of a sudden, he is the second most important player in the single team after Joe Root. The way he bowled today was disappointing, really, because there was some help in the surface. A couple of balls gone very early in the spell and he just couldn't land it on a, on the same spot. There was one towards the end of today that pitched in the footmark and turned square uh, and Bairstow had to really go to his left to try and take it and it nearly went to slip in the end and I looked at that and I thought Jadeji was the batsman to that and Jadeji would have been thinking actually that's quite hard to bat against but I can't wait to get the ball in my hand because left arm into that foot mark he's going to cause some, some issues if he can land it in that same spot yeah, he's absolutely going to ask a lot of questions, Ravi Jadeja. At the moment, he is batting out the run. India eats him with the bat as well, scores some vital runs with Virat Kohli and then gets the ball in his hand. As Virat Kohli said before the match, that he is going to be a matchup against the left-handers and right-handers, obviously. So the, this pitch, although it's flat, but there's a bit of 
purchase for the spinners and that's why it's so disappointing that Moin just couldn't land it in the spot if he did I am sure he would have asked a lot of questions because this Indian players can't play spin let, let me ask you both a question and whoever comes in first can answer it KL Rahul his dismissal he batted really nicely today I thought KL but the looked to me to be a blatant edge and he seemed to still be chuntering about not having hit hit it when he was still an hour later in the dressing room sort of stomping around in the background um, he was suggesting on the pitch there that he felt that his bat had grazed his pad and that might have been any noise that the fielders had heard but to me the spike was when the bat passed the ball and the bat was nowhere near the pad so I don't know what he was I, I mean I've been on commentary so I couldn't hear what the pundits on TV coverage was suggesting, but what was your take on that, Mark? Well, it was out. I mean, the, the <laughs> simple as. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it was disappointing with, with him. I think he couldn't quite. But they were it's obviously too noisy. The bat, the bat went onto his pad, and I, I think he just couldn't couldn't believe that he touched it. Obviously, the thing that got me he seemed to when he was walking off, he was still having a go at the umpire about you know the umpire didn't get him out. He's <laughs> talking to Alex Wolf when he was walking off as though. Why did you do that? I think he was just incredibly disappointed, obviously. But I think so. We've had it with DRS before when when players have felt they haven't touched him, they, they wallop, you know, the the pat the bat batters hit the pad and so forth. And it's just, I think it's just disappointment because actually yeah. he was playing beautifully. He was playing really well. He played really I'll tell, well. I'll tell you what as well, there was a stop from Ollie Pope, I think it was, at Backward Point, um, the ball before. KL, I think, thought he'd got a 50. Um, he's cracked yeah. it away um, square on the offside and Ollie Pope dived to his left, stopped it and prevented the run. And then the next ball saw KL Rahul out. And I think sometimes yeah. you, you kind of, you overlook that um, when you look back at a day's play, that that piece of fielding from Ollie Pope actually contributed to that wicket, I think. Yeah, and it's, I mean, yeah, it did actually. Just thinking about it now, it shows the importance of of fielding in the modern game, and uh, obviously the improvement of it. Yeah, and he may he may well have been kind of con- contemplating that himself, walking off that either side had got a fifth that might have been in the back of his mind. But I think it was just intense disappointment from him because he probably felt on that pitch he got through the difficult part of it, that and there was another ton on for him. Um, and you know, he just he just obviously didn't didn't think he hit the ball, and patently he did. Listening to the Cricket Badger podcast. I want to finish today with two um, sort of themes, if you like. Um, the first one is um, there's floodlights at these grounds. You could see the effect of the floodlights on Moen Ali's head and the umpire's white jackets, etc. towards the end of the day. So obviously light was an issue because TV cameras always make it look brighter than it is at the grounds. But are we getting to a stage now where just to give supporters value for money at grounds, Rito, we actually use these floodlights and the game continues until the floodlights have completely taken over or whatever, or it can be completely dark. You know, we, we need to kind of, I mean, we're going to get onto shit slow over rates in a second. Shouldn't we have been able to just use the effect of those floodlights to see play through to the end today? Yeah, it's disappointing to see them coming off earlier, even though there are floodlights there, but it's a dark rate for uh, Dukes for that. And it's relatively newer, so it's very dark in colour. It's difficult for the batsmen to pick them up, and it's difficult for the fielders to pick them up, pick it up as well. So maybe when it's getting darker, they can bring out a new pink cherry, which they do for day-night test cricket. But with the dark red ball, it's going to be difficult, even if the floodlights are gone. What, what do you think, Mark? Should the floodlights take take over, and should we be able to get through to the proper close of play? 
I'm getting confused about all the bad light stuff and floodlights and the changes. It, you know, in the past it was if it was dangerous to the player and so forth. But that apparently that's now changed. I think. I think the issue is the issue is at the moment when the floodlights start taking over from the natural light rather than enhancing it, and the shadows start coming on with the red ball, then they go off. Mm. And that's the rule at the moment. So that's what they need to look at changing. Maybe it is difficult with the red ball and you know, picking it up in, in the background, particularly when the shadows over the pitch. So you have to be fair to the players. I mean, if, you, if you're looking at it on a long-term view, you could say, actually, we play more now than we ever have done. And without the lights on today, we might not have played half of that. So to lose 45 minutes in, in that scenario is... Yeah, fair point. For me, it's kind of like giving... It's, it's an entertainment. I know it's kind of feels like life and death when you're embroiled in a game and the players will be really invested in it, but it is a, a version of entertainment. There's no, it's, there's it's no, danger. There's no uh, danger for the players out there today. No, but the, the, no, the spectators in that ground have paid their money for tickets. The TV companies have paid their money to broadcast a full day's play um, and watchers at home will be hoping to watch a full day's play and in your job mark or you know if you go home regularly at four rather than staying till five your boss is going to have a word with you if if um, you go to a theater and 10 minutes before the climax they will walk off and say oh, that's us done you know we've run over time everybody you're not going to see who who done it then everybody's going to be demanding their money back is, is there any difference really yeah, people have paid to watch 90 overs, haven't they? Like I say, I mean, it's, it's, it's very confusing, some of the rules. But, I mean, it should be if it's dangerous to the players. And it wasn't dangerous to the players out there today. And they've taken... I mean, they've got these these damn things that they take the, the readings off. That's what they go off. I've been at games where they've had spinners bowling at yeah. both ends, and they've gone off. I can know. understand today why Joe Root actually accepted bowling spin. He's got the new ball. They could start again tomorrow. Keep two overs in that new ball and, and not do it. What no. do you think, Rito? I mean, if, you, if you're if you doing um, your job and you decide to bunk off at three o'clock every day, you, you're I probably not going to stay in a job too long, are you? Well, James, it's not me taking the decision. I mean, the players are not taking the decisions. It's their bosses. I mean, the umpires are making the decision, so you can't take it against them. It's the collective game, isn't it? It's ending early. Yeah, yeah. The ICC has to come to a point where they decide at this point we will go up at all at all venues. If it gets darker than this, we won't play, even if the floodlights are still on, because the health and safety of the players are paramount, and nothing can supersede that. So, somebody made the point to me today. Where does the you know the fine the, the fines that they get or you know for slow over rates at times they get penalty deductions in the World Test Championship? Where does that money go? Does it go into the ICC Christmas Party Fund or, or you know, where does it get spent? No idea where it gets spent. I know because because the, the suggestion from the person that came up with that comment was well if the ICC are actually earning some money from this what in the, what incentive have they got to actually sort it out because they're not getting massive grief for it and they're actually getting a little bit of a revenue stream every now and again too. But the over rates. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, to I presume for the ICC, it's like kind of pocket money what they pick up from it, isn't it? To a large degree, they're not huge, yeah. huge amounts. Of, they make uh, they make secret Santa go with a bang, doesn't it, at Christmas? <laughs> I mean, the overrace, whatever they do, seems to get worse. I don't quite know what the answer is. You know, they do different things. I think at one point today, wasn't the overrace more like 
ten point five an hour. Oh, it, it was pathetic. <laughs> I mean, and we and we know we know that they are capable of it. I mean, those of us of a certain age who go back sort of twenty, thirty years and beyond, we we regularly saw over rates of fifteen, sixteen an hour, and, and even higher than that with the spinners on. And you can see now when they want to bowl quickly and they want to get through the overs quickly because it's in their interest to do so. They're able to bowl far more overs per hour than they do do. But there's so much, so many stoppages. There's so much tactical chat and bowling sort of 11 or 12 overs an hour Rito I mean that is that's almost criminal isn't it I mean I know there's bigger problems in the world but in terms of cricket that is horrendous yeah James the one thing that I find the most irritating about this game about test cricket is that when it's bright and sunny they haven't completed their overs but it's time and they go off get those overs done and because we are surely going to lose overs the other next day if it's if it rains so just get those done and maybe the six and a half hour things look needs to be looked at now. Maybe seven, maybe seven hours. Yeah, but you know what's going to happen at the moment. The in England, this place supposed to stop at six, but you have that extra half an hour. They're supposed to be run over, and they still don't get the overs in in the extra half an hour. You can guarantee if you make it half six as the close, and you run into seven, we'll have the same problem, but extended even further. Yeah, I think one of the issues is that the players are so well remunerated now in terms of central contracts, particularly in some of the bigger countries, that even when you find them like 20% of the match fee, that's kind of nothing for them, really, because they're on these huge central contracts. It's like, you know, it's like your boss buying you five quid for having, uh, you know, like you said, going home at three, well, I'm going to I'm going to take an hour's pay off you, mate, you know, so... Yeah. Well, um, I mean, George DeBell has a theory with the, um, with the overrates that, say you've paid, I don't know, 50 quid for your test match ticket and you've paid for 90 overs, if if only 80 are bowled in that day, you get refunded one ninth of your, your ticket price. And if you do that on a regular basis and it starts to come out of the game in terms of the, the, the revenue starts to slip back into the uh, punter's pockets because they're getting shortchanged every day, something will soon start to change because they will start to make it make sure they, they, they keep all the cash. Yeah, I think that's a, that's one interesting idea. The other, I mean, they would say, well, yeah, we're bowling less over, but actually the cricket's more entertaining. Test cricket is more entertaining now than it ever was. So what do you want? More overs or do you want the same level of entertainment and drama? So that's always the argument that comes back. I want both, Mark. Eh? I want high-octane, high-entertaining, full-overs cricket. I think the only way they can solve it is by actually starting actually ban players. So you look at people's over rates Mm -hmm. and um, you look at how fast they're bowling them and if they contravene enough times and you start banning them for a couple of games, like in football, if you get... So many yellow cards. I'd love to know from the uh, the listeners, stroke viewers, um, and if you listen to this later at cricket underscore badger on the Twitter feed, if you know where any fines go, wh- which coffers do they go into? Does it go into the ICC Christmas Fund? Is there a is there a charity it gets sent to, or does it go into their on onto their profit accounts? Um, Samaritan's <laughs> wages. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to know where that that, that money bonus, goes. Oh, that two million pound bonus part of the game. That's very yeah. exciting. Well, I mean, over the course of a year, the amount of fines that the ICC get and the deductions that the referees take off people for 20% of your match fee or 50% of your match fee, that goes somewhere. So yeah, where does it go? I'd love to know. Um, so let us know at cricket underscore badger on the Twitter feed. Let's finish off then today with um, looking at the game, the context of the game ahead of uh, day number four. India go into day four with a lead of 171. They are three wickets down. Virat Kohli and Jadeja will recommence tomorrow morning. Should the light permit is it is it a case of two sessions mark and then see where they are and try and give themselves as many as four sessions to try and bowl england out is that how you see them maybe trying to tackle this i don't so yeah i think 
if they bat two sessions and they bat positively, they should be the best part of 400 in front after that, or 380 if you go 100 a session or 110 a session. Well, the over eight, you're only going to get 24 overs in a session, aren't you? You're only looking at 50 overs in two sessions. Um, and this, this is another problem with the over eight, isn't it? Because if the game's getting away from the fielding side, you've got no incentive to try and bowl the overs quickly. Well, yeah, that'll happen tomorrow. It'll start slowing yeah. the game down. 12th man will be coming on every five minutes with sanitising breaks and God knows what. But yeah, they did look to bat two sessions and get as close to 400. I mean, personally, I would probably declare it 400, but it'll go on to 420. You'll probably have an hour and tomorrow night. I just hope for India, all the India, for India's perspective, that they do give themselves enough time without Ash winning the side. They need at least, I would say, they need at least 105 overs at England. Um, that's that, that's a major factor in this, isn't it? Because yeah, from an English perspective, it, I mean to say it's just the danger is very disrespectful to him because he's a very good bowler. But if Ashwin was also in in tandem with him, then you would really fear for England. Rito, are you of the same mindset that they'll probably bat two sessions tomorrow and see where they are in terms of de- a declaration? Yeah, absolutely. I think even India might not look to score quickly tomorrow morning, but he would, they would just look to bat out of at our time because they bowled out India in two sessions in law, at large so they will take great confidence from that uh, moment because no one other than Joe Root looks in great form yeah Oli Pope scored up uh, 80 in the first innings but he is also coming back into the, the into the sea side so how we will bat in post innings we don't know so India will look to pile on the runs pile on the agony for England and for England to come back into the match they will need to take at least two wickets in the first half hour tomorrow morning yeah that pr- every single time I enter a new session, the next half an hour is key. And uh, this test match, it just shows kind of how good it is that the next half an hour of every single session is key and it carries on being so. One word answer, who wins this test match, Mark? India. Rito? Oh, India. Oh, Rito's jumps, jump ship. James, I still think the draw is uh, a definite play in this one. I think England can maybe bat it out this time around. So it's going to be very interesting to see. I think day four tomorrow, the next half an hour. It's going to be pivotal and it's going to be very entertaining and we'll be back again, of course, tomorrow. So uh, review day four, whatever the outcome of that will be. So keep those comments coming in. Thanks for joining us on the uh, the live video feed that you can obviously catch up on any day um, on the audio version of the podcast, which will come out later on this evening. But thanks for uh, joining me for Mark and for Rito. I've been James to Cricket Badger and I will return tomorrow. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.